Hello, I'm Michael Hasted, and you're listening to Arts Talk Radio, bringing you interviews and news relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, which are either in English or where language is no problem. We cover Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and the surrounding areas. Arts Talk Radio Online. Interviews and features on the arts in English. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to start the show? this evening from the Theatre Pepine in The Hague, where they're having a night of stand-up comedy in English. And later we'll be talking to the best-selling author, Nicky French. Well, the show is underway, so I'd better keep quiet. Earlier I was backstage and spoke to some of the comedians, but first I met the person responsible for putting the show on. So my name is Vera Papilaya. I'm the producer of uh, Theaters Diligentia in Pepijn. And we're here in uh, Theater Pepijn, which is our uh, smallest theater of the two. Uh, it used to be owned by Paul van Vliet, one of the greatest, uh, the, the oldest uh, comedians there is in the Netherlands. And he, he actually bought the place for himself. Uh, he wanted a place to perform. It's a proper little theater. It's a proper little theater. It seats 96 people. Everybody in the audience has intimacy with yeah, the one on stage. Good. So we're, tonight we're here for a, an English comedy night. Yeah, it's and how, how, comedy often, how often do you do that here? Um, the English ones we've done three so far this season, um, but the regular Pepin's Comedy Club, we do it every month. OK, thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm with our old friend Greg Shapiro. Now, Greg, you're, you're comparing here tonight, um, which is, I think, the third or fourth comedy night of the Pepin. Uh, well, let's start with your choice of term, comparing. Uh, we're, we're trying not to compare. What, do you, what if you're not comparing? What are you doing? It's true. Compare is fine. MC or okay. host, if you will. I can but, start again. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Theatre Pepin, which is the smaller uh, stage uh, related to Theatre Diligentia. Uh, Pepin has a number of stand-up comedy evenings, lineup shows, uh, and uh, most are in Dutch, but three times a year uh, they do English, and this is the third one. So for this season, and I was asked to help uh, with the programming of English uh, comedians and uh, so yeah this is the third lineup we're doing this season and hopefully we'll be back next season as well Thank you. Yeah. Uh, my name is Mona Joshi I am from India from the western part of India and there can't be many female Indian comedians in Holland there are quite a few oh. now <laughs> but there are not many older Indian women comedians <laughs> I'm 60 almost so how long have you been doing comedy in, in, in Holland well honestly since last April oh. I started in November 2021 but there was a lockdown so I only managed my first open mic and then everything was stopped so I went to India for a couple of months and I thought this is it 
and then I came back in March and uh, I got a spot and I've been doing it since. Um, how did you start in comedy? Well, again, during the pandemic. So you, you've only been doing it a... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, during the pandemic, I, well, my job requires me to travel a lot. I work for the Royal Tropical Institute, KIT, and there's a lot of travelling. So during the pandemic, we couldn't travel, so I had a lot of time on hand, and I started doing improv in Boom, Chicago. And I did a couple of courses. I enjoyed it. It was fun. But then I realised that uh, for improv, you need a group, you need a space. Stand-up is much easier. You can do it on your own time. You can do it when you want to. So uh, I switched to stand-up, and I had the same instructor. So he sort of goaded me into, oh, you have so many funny stories, why don't you try stand-up? But I said, I don't have the technique. So then he said, do a course. So I did a four-week course, like one four-day course, literally. And that's how I started. And, yeah, so I was fascinated, and, but I never thought I could do it for a long time. I thought, okay, this is like drama and movies, acting, and, you know, it's beyond my thing. Till I started doing it, and then I, now I love it. It just, it's, yeah, it gives me a lot of energy. I work a full-time job, but this is also like a full-time job, and it's a lot. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, my name is Wena, and uh, I'm originally Chinese. I started doing comedy from November last year, so I think this is like my 13th show. So you don't mind me saying, but it's, it's, it's quite unusual to see a Chinese girl, because you're not very old, doing English comedy yeah. in Holland. I think I'm the first one, actually, <laughs> if I'm not wrong. Yeah, so as far as I know, I think I'm the first one. I, I, I think you could probably be sure that you are. Oh, yeah. What were your influences? Who do you know in, in Western humour? Oh, actually, uh, Hannah Gatsby. I like her. Yeah, and before I started doing stand-up comedy, I literally just know her and Ali Wong. And after I started doing comedy, I got to know Dave Chappelle, actually. I didn't know him before, <laughs> but he's a big name. I never think of stand-up comedy in China. Is it big there? It is, it is. But I must say I'm also under the influence of the Chinese stand-up uh, comedy community. We have a show every year. Well, so far it is the fifth year that they are doing this show and it is on TV. So we watch it. I think that's where I got the influence actually to start with my first very very first open mic. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. I shall look forward to seeing you right okay, Yeah. <laughs> My name is Luana. I'm from Romania. I live in Amsterdam, and I'm a comedian. <laughs> and, uh, and how, how different is, is is domestic Romanian humor to, to what you would get in I don't know I here or in, in England or in America? I do feel that the Romanian humor. Just imagine the U.S. like 30 years ago when they started building a style. I think the Romanian humor is like closer to in Romanian. I mean. Um, people who perform, comedians, they, it's close to what Seinfeld did. So I feel like because it started around the 2000s, then we just develop, they just develop on their own, they come up to, you know, do the same times. It's more storytelling-like, I would say, rather than, like, punchier. Um, uh, sometimes, unfortunately, it tends to be racist and sexist, but that's also because the development of the society is also at the same pace, like probably 30 years ago because of communism. Um, 
I would say that probably the racist part is because um, mm, there were other bigger problems in Romania, like communism or something, and people were that, that quite much aware. The, the in Romania, thing? yeah. In Romania, yeah, even on, on TV. Uh, I think the young generation right now, the young uh, people and the young comedians, they are just completely changing at the same step as Western Europe and the US are changing. But like the big ones, it's a little bit hard to change them because they have also an area of the society that enjoys those jokes. It's different, but it's also very interesting to go from a place where you feel comfortable, like Amsterdam, where if I have a lot of Dutch people, I do know how to make fun of them, and it's my city, and just like I know the areas and everything. Comparison with like, and I can get myself out of trouble if they don't like me, but if I go to a city I don't know, like somewhere in Finland, I don't know anything about that city, so or about what people laugh at, so I just need to be more myself, I would say. Okay, well, thanks very much. I shall certainly look I don't know if I was very helpful. But. Very helpful indeed. <laughs> A great insight into uh, Romanian comedy in Holland. No, I shall, I shall look forward to it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Kiara on Lights and Sound tonight, and you can give her a round of applause. I was at the Theatre Papine in The Hague for their third stand-up comedy night in English. They're planning to do more, so keep your eyes open. Talk magazine provides the perfect companion to Arts Talk Radio with reviews and previews in English of cultural events in Holland. Whatever your interest in the arts, our international team of writers will always provide something new and exciting to see online. That's Arts Talk magazine, all one word, dot nl. Arts Talk magazine, dot nl. Nicky French is one of the world's most successful crime writers. The latest book has just been published in Holland, but it is, of course, available in English. It's called Has Anyone Seen Charlotte Saltar? You may have heard this interview I did with Nicky French a year or two ago, but I think it's well worth repeating. Now, in spite of your longevity, because you've been writing books now for... 20 years or more, more. I think there are probably still people who don't know that Nicky French is, in fact, two people. That's true. It's true. It's true. And one of them is uh, Nicky Gerard. Hello. And the other is Sean French. Hello. And you're the sort of... um, Lennon McCartney of, of so modern who, fiction. So who am I? Am I Lennon yeah. or McCartney? Yeah, I would say that's quite a good image because I think the point, you know, the, the point, I'm a bit of a Beatles obsessive. So there are about two people who, alone, they would, have, you know, they would would have been diminished. And there's something about when they got together, they achieved something they would never have done on their own. And the, I think, you know, we've been doing it for a long time. What's so strange to us, but also satisfying, is I think writing as this strange joint person, Nicky French, I think it does allow us to write in a way that's separate from our own identity. Because it's quite quite normal for, for songwriters to uh, write in pairs, and it's very uh, common, usually even for uh, comedy writers, to write in pairs, but for... Fiction, it's not so common. Do you know of any others? We know, we know of other people who write together. I don't think that we know of anyone who writes, who, who has no kind of boundaries between them, who write into a single voice, um, which is what we try and do. You know, so it's not that Sean writes the bits that are kind of male and I write the bits that are female or that we kind of share out research. We do everything together. And then when we write, we're trying to write into this third voice that we've 
created between us, the voice of Nicky French. So what, what actually is the process? Do you actually sit down together at the computer and work it no, out? No, never. So, so in that way, we're very different from songwriters or kind of comedy writers. So what we do is we spend weeks and months working out what the why you know what the heart of the book is what the plot of the book is what the characters are just the whole when we, and when we've when we've planned out the book and we know we've got the same book in each other's head um then we start writing and we never write together it simply wouldn't work so one of us and we don't decide in advance one of us will write say the first chapter and then they will email it to the other who is free to add to it to edit it to correct it to erase it to kind of make it more nicky french as it were and then they will write say the next chapter so we pass the book between us like that and it is does it always join up properly do you remember there used to be years ago there used to be these twins in america primitive painters and they used to paint horses and one used to paint the front end and the other used to paint the back end and they always used to join up does yours always join up well the point the whole th the whole thing about it about our collaboration is so for a start, we, 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 we get the, all the ideas, we get them together and we do the research together. So, and we start writing when we're really sure that we, we as Nikki said, that we have the same book in our heads. You know, that, 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 and, and, and then, uh, again, uh, we're constantly... I think for a start, we both write... You know, Nikki and I, when we write on our own, have separate styles, but when we write together, we write as this other... We suddenly become this other writer. And then also we're constantly editing each other and we're discussing it all the way through and then we, and then when we're finished each of us goes through and changes it so uh, it, it really does it, it's like the stew we create you know and, and and also we're both writing in that voice so I think there are there aren't there aren't joins there it's a bit like as if we cooked some huge casserole and at the end together and someone said you know did you cook that carrot you know it's by that time it's all just and a it, it always it always works you never have problems <laughs> well so does it always work you know it's, of course it doesn't always work and which is why we edit each other and change each other and and then when we go through the editing again we re-edit each other and ourselves so but I think what does work is that mysterious thing of writing in a different voice so when Sean was saying we write as Nikki French it's absolutely true and it's not it's quite kind of it uncanny to us because it's not that I sit down and think okay now I've got to kind of put myself into the kind of Nicky French voice but it's what has happened over the years of writing together we have made this kind of third imagination if you want the imagination that we kind of created between the two of us um, and then when we're writing we're both writing for ourselves but to each other as well was it a, an, an arbitrary decision to create Nicky French, or did it was it from an accident where you your work so merged? When we first met, we were both writers and journalists, and everything we read we passed to each other, and everything we wrote we were each other's first reader, and we had a conversation about how was it possible for two people to create a single voice? You know, the kind of voice that some novels you feel speaking to you, so that relationship between the reader and the writer. Would it be possible? And we said that one day, when we had more time, when our children were older, when we were less chaotic, we would try that as a kind of experiment. And then very quickly we came across the idea that became our first novel, The Memory Game, about the controversy over recovered or false memory. And we read about it and we thought that is such a good new idea for a kind of thriller that if we don't do it now, 
someone else will do it. So it was like a kind of rocket for us, that kind of sense that it was an idea waiting to be seized. But we didn't do it thinking we're going to write and call ourselves Nikki French and be published and write 22 more books under the name of Nikki French. It wasn't a career plan. It was more like a, a kind of adventure that we were having, a kind of mad adventure because we had tiny children and no time and we lived in kind of, you know, we were anxious about money and we were kind of in some kind of you know, mayhem our life. But it was just something that we did together just to see if we could do it together. And you haven't looked back since. <laughs> we <laughs> looked back lots of times. <laughs> you know, people think, oh, we must be this mature couple and it's all easy. I mean, writing fiction is, re is hard and writing together is, is, is much harder and more messy because it's, a, you know, because it's, you know, for a start, it just takes twice as long, I think. Really. Not it doesn't take twice, but it's certainly we're not, it's not quicker. You know. And possibly more difficult because you're married. It's like sort of yeah. teaching your wife to drive, I think. <laughs> well, well, Dickie, what would you say? Is it like teaching my wife to drive? <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> this is not... <laughs> no, I, I was talking in the cliché tense. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, we know of other couples who've tried it and just it's absolutely failed after ten minutes because you have a row. You know, a row. And what... And the absolute heart of us doing it is a real trust. So if Nikki changes what I've done, it's not because there's a power struggle over the book. It's not that she has her own view of the book and she's just willy-nilly going to make the book be like that. We ha I have a trust that we, she has a sense of what does the book need. And it's, and, and, you know, and it's all about trying to, to make the, get, get the best Nikki French book we can. And without that trust, we'd have just failed. Mm. Uh, even so, there are still sticky moments. There's one thing that which has struck me, because I, I think I've read most of your books, and I certainly remember when you first um, published your book, and it struck me as a bit strange that um, it, they haven't been exploited so much on television. And you've got Anne Cleave and Peter Robinson with DCI Banks and Vera Stanhope and Jimmy yeah, Perez. Yeah, and it, it, it's well, this, so there, there, there have been, like, I think there have been three TV versions but they haven't had the longevity of the no so the the, well, the series that we yeah. did so we we only did standalones up until we started the free decline yeah. series so with the free decline series i mean that has been bought and script is being written and so who knows maybe maybe it will become a series i mean it would be lovely if it became a really good gripping series on the other hand you just you know we're in a lucky enough position to just be writing for our living and... Has that progressed at all, uh, the Vera Klein um, The Free Decline. Yeah. So we've, writ we've written eight... Right. Uh, it was always... I mean, you know, the one thing I didn't... If you've had any dealings with the film world, books are being always being optioned, you know, and it's very easy to option a book. And, you know, so, so our, as soon as we wrote the free, first Free Decline book, it was optioned. And ever since, there have been scripts written and, it, and it's sort of, you know, and it's almost been done. But it's, it's all a matter, you know, it's, it, it's completely unpredictable. So we'd be very happy if a good version of it was made, but we're not sitting here holding our breath waiting for but it to it, happen. But I think I, it strikes me as strange that it's not. Yes, well, we thought it would be good, but us, us sitting thinking about it doesn't make it happen. <laughs> no, and no. in a way, also, we could, you know, if we, we could have devoted much more energy if we wanted to, you know, going around banging on doors, getting it made. But what we, what, you know, what we've, you know we've, we've already had other of our books adapted for TV, and that's fine, and we enjoy it when it happens. But what we do, you know, we, our, our passion is writing the books. You know, that's, you know, that's, a, that's where, you know, that's the form that we, 
you know, I, we both, we love films, love, you know, there's great TV out, but, you know, it'd be wonderful. But what we're good at is, what we're good at, what we devote our energy up to is, is, is writing books, and that really does fill great enough of our, of our time. OK, well, thank you very much for that. That was Nicky French in the person of Nicky Gerard and Sean French. Um, thank you very much for talking to Artstalk. It was a pleasure. Great pleasure. Thank you for having us. That was Nicky Gerard and Sean French, better known under their nom de plume of Nicky French. Their new book is Has Anyone Seen Charlotte Salter? Arts Talk Radio Online. Well, that's all for now. But to play us out, here's a bit of jazz. This is the trio Byersbergen from Delft, and they're playing four by Miles Davis. I'm Michael Hasted. So, till the next edition of Arts Talk Radio, it's goodbye. Bye. Bye.